Good morning to everyone. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 31. Genesis 31. And uh, we've been going through this book, and uh, Jesus said, Search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. So when we really look at what the Bible says in the Old Testament, find Jesus. And you'll find him on every page. That's one of the great things about God is because he transcends all time. Revelation chapter 22 says, Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. He's already been here. He already knows. You see, the thing is, God already knows the decisions we make. And uh, I like that. We're predestined from God's perspective. But from our perspective, this is why Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. And that's why we do that. So this morning as we go through continuing our study, looking at the life of Jacob. Now Jacob is, in a way, a Christ type in the Bible. Because we remember, again, how God used him so amazingly. We're going to see that Christ type again show up here in chapter 31. Now, before we get started, once again, the 26th, uh, we'll have um, the, uh, the sanctuary open. There'll be the video. You'll be able to actually watch what's going on in Washington, D.C. with the National Day of Prayer, praying for our nation, how desperately our country needs God. You know, without God at the helm of our nation, we are destined for doom. The book of Romans chapter 1 says what God will bless a nation for and what God will destroy a nation over. If you don't know how to vote in the upcoming election, read Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, it won't take you long to do it, but if you read that, you'll know exactly where God stands on the key issues of today. And believe it or not, they're there for you. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that you give us your wisdom as we read these words, that it's not just ink on paper, but your Holy Spirit that inspired these words, God, your Holy Spirit would cause them to come alive in our heart today. And so as we read, may you be blessed. Holy Spirit, come now and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all of our father's and from what was ours, our father has acquired all this wealth. Now, um, Laban's other sons going around saying, Jacob has taken everything that's ours. Now, the truth of the matter is, that was a lie. But this wasn't spoken out of concern. It was spoken out of envy. Now, by the way, friends, envy is a problem that we all have to work. The Bible says Jesus was in the book of Matthew was actually crucified because of the envy of the religious leaders. Envy will cause people to do things that normally they would never do. Envy causes that jealousy that causes irrational behavior in our lives. And so we have to be careful of that. Now, remember... God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I like that. So anything that I need, God's going to give me. I don't have to envy what somebody else has because I know that God's going to give me what I need. Now, one of the things that we come to when we come to Christ, no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. Now, one of the things, again, remembering that, we have to always realize God gives you your daily needs. Jesus said, give us this day 
our daily bread. So we can always trust him for that. Somebody said one time, well, you need to learn how to envy somebody Christian-like. What? Yeah, you just say, boy, I sure like his car. I wish I had his car, and I hope he gets a better one. Well, no, really, we want to just be where God wants us to be. God gives us what we need to do our job for him on this earth. That's why we're not instantly raptured when we accept Christ. We're here to serve him. But God puts in our lives the tools that we need to get the job done. So from greed and from, from uh, envy, the sons of Laban came to Laban and saying, hey, look, he's taken everything. Well, you remember as we studied last week, chapter 30, that God had put it into Jacob's heart to go back to his homeland, the land of Canaan. And Laban says, no, no, I've really been blessed because you've been here in my life. Uh, uh, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? And, and he said, I'll tell you what I want. He said, all the speckled, all the, the, the off-color, all the, the, the animals that are born, that, that are weird, I'll take. And all the ones that are beautiful and all, you keep. And I likened that last week, and that's the way a lot Jesus is. God takes all of us that are spotted and blemished and things, and he brings us into his own, and the Bible says they were actually stronger than Laban's. Well, this continued on. And so Jacob, wealth began to build because a lot of these animals were being born. They had spots and stripes, and they were separated into Jacob's herd. And the ones that were beautiful, they went into Laban's. But there wasn't very many going over there. I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, God must love poor people because he made so many of them. Well, the point is, is this. There's always going to be more spotted and speckled than there are beautiful. The good news is God loves the spotted and the speckled. If you feel a little spotted and speckled here today, I got good news for you. God loves you and God's going to remove and all the things that are wrong in your life and fix those things to make you his own. Now, in verse 2, it says, And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable towards him as before. You know, gossip and lies will always taint the way somebody does. I believe this is what's wrong with our American news media. They spend overtime pumping into the American public lies. And we oftentimes see the commentators get caught in lies so bad they can't even retain them as a nightly commentator. They have to remove them. Well, the thing is, lies change the way people think about things. And Laban's sons turned uh, Laban's sons turned the countenance of Laban against Jacob and saw that it wasn't favorable. It's funny, you can be around somebody and know you're not in their good graces anymore. You ever notice that? Some of you that have had marital spouts and spats and you think, well, a couple hours ago, I think it's over now. You go in and they glare at you and there's laser beams that come out of their eyes and it fries everything behind you. Well, you, you can tell that things are still not right there, okay? Well, that's basically what Jacob saw in Laban. He knew something isn't right. Then the Lord said to Jacob, and by the way, when your surround changes, don't feel that God doesn't love you. This is one of the things a lot of times we think. We go to work, 
And all of a sudden, there's been some changes in our employment or whatever the case might be. And, and there's some changes. And now we feel God doesn't love us anymore. No, God's getting ready, you, ready, getting you ready for the next big move in your life. God, the, the old saying, Jesus loves me just as I am. That's true. But God loves you too much to leave you that way. And through the course of events in our lives, God moves us where he wants us to be so we'll be the most effective for what God's placed us on this earth for. Remember, when you become a Christian, it's no longer about you, it's about God. And that's why we want to be the best we can be for God because that is who God will use. Now he says, Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So it's interesting that God spoke to him. Now, God speaks to us in different ways. Well, how did God speak to him? Well, he had his cell phone number and just called him. No, that's not the way it works. Sometimes God speaks to us through dreams. Now, it's interesting that both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob could hear God's voice in this way. Now, I don't know exactly all the time what God's voice is. I've heard God's voice before. If you're born again here this morning, you've heard God's voice as well. That little voice that was inside of you when you heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that you could be forgiven and the invitation for you to come to Christ, you heard a voice inside of you saying, this is for you, this is for you. That was God, okay? Because normally you wouldn't understand that. But that voice that comes from God saying that you need him, that's how we know that. Well, anyway, God spoke to Jacob and said, okay, it's time to go back home. Now, remember, God had already put it in his heart in the preceding chapter to go home. Now God is going to fulfill it. And I believe God puts things in our heart in his time in which he will fulfill it. Okay, so verse 4. Jacob sent and call Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock. Evidently, he wanted to talk to his wives concerning what he was about to do, and he wanted to get out of earshot of everybody else. And so understanding the importance of of, uh, privacy, he calls his wives out into the field, And he said to them, I see your father's countenance, and that it's not favorable towards me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your dad. Yet your father has deceived me, changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Very important to remember. You belong to God. What the devil means to hurt you, God will turn around and make it a blessing for you. God is not only bigger than the things you've done wrong, but he's also bigger than the things that people want to do to you to hurt you. Remember that. Now, I I, I can generally speak of that from experience. I have seen things that people have done in my life to hurt me and they thought it would wipe me out. And instead, what it did is it just gave, gave me in God another area to which to go. God is always faithful. God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And he's bigger than the things that mean people want to do to you. Remember that. He said that he changed my wages ten times, yet 
God was with me. And so he says, and you will know that with all my might, I've served your dad. He changed my wages, verse 8, and he says this, all the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flocks who bore speckled, and he said thus, the streak shall be your wages and all the flocks that bore streaken. So the Lord has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In other words, the animals began to bear more and more streaked and ringed and all these speckled animals. He said, your father made this deal with me that I could have all the blemished. He got all the first rate, I got the blemished. But the animals were bearing more blemished than they were regular. And now he says, you've taken them away from me. No, that was the deal that we made. Again, there was an old, there's an old saying, be careful what you sign. I believe that. I believe we need to be very careful. You know, the Bible gives us a lot of directive on contracts, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in business. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with non-believers. That means in marriage, in business, or whatever it is, friendships, be careful of the company you keep. Solomon says in the book of Proverbs that, that evil corrupts good manners. So if you're having trouble walking with the Lord, I would invite you, consider your friends. Because if you're hanging around with a bunch of people who don't love God, they're going to be dragging you the wrong way. That's just the way it works. Because you have an old, I have an old sin nature that wants to do evil. It just does. This old flesh someday is going to put on immortality and not under the curse. And we won't have a bend for sin. But until that day comes, we have to protect our heart. You need to guard your heart. And if somebody's dragging you the wrong way, they are not from God. They are from the underworld. Now you say, but they look so cute. <laughs> yeah? You don't think the devil's dumb enough to bring some one-horned rhino into your life, do you? Well, they're ugly. I know they can't be of God anymore. <laughs> the devil knows how to package. So notice he says, God's blessed me this way. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Verse 10. And it happened at that time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked and speckled and gray spotted. And the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream saying, Arise, Jacob. He said, Here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see the rams which leap on the flocks, which are streaked and speckled and gray spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Remember, nothing escapes God. He goes, I know Laban has been treating you very poorly. And so it is interesting that he, Jacob, who was taking care of the flocks, was divinely inspired when to let the animals breed because God told him to. To bless him. Now remember, God sees it all. God sees it all. And one of the things that God saw was the injustice that Laban was doing to Jacob. And God is the corrector of it. Now, it's in our old sin nature to take vengeance ourselves. All, even the plate. God says, you don't got to do that. Let God do that. You know, God, first of all, is a merciful God. And God's desire is not to get even with that who wronged you, but cause them to come into repentance. 
But God knows whether that person will or won't. And so letting God be the one who judges them is a lot better than us. Vengeance is mine, the Bible says, saith the Lord. You got somebody that's really getting under your skin? I want to give them a piece of my mind. I've learned I'm not going to give away too much of my mind. I don't know how much I got left. So I would rather have God deal with them than me deal with them. Because I have found two things. One, some people have said I'm an old softy and I go too soft on them. Some people might say, well, you'd be too overbearing on them. In other words, the uh, punishment doesn't meet the crime. So best let God be the one that does your revenge. Don't you take it upon yourself. That way that person cannot in turn blame you. See, in other words, you take revenge on somebody and they're mad, then they're mad at you. Look, I'm going to get even with them. And ooh, that's a Petri dish for all kinds of foul things to start growing like anger and murder and all those things. Don't do that. You let God be God. When you accept Christ, see, here's the thing. Most of us are taught that when you accept Christ, apple pie in the sweet by and by. Well, I like that. I do. I like the idea of heaven, okay? But there is so much more to being a Christian than just fire insurance, friends. It's that God takes care of us. You are his kids, isn't it? I, I, I'm still overwhelmed as I look at this because in, in the years that I've been a pastor, I've, I've, I've studied world religions. And, and it's really amazing to me as you study this, the relationship that the gurus and all these are trying to portray concerning the deity and us. That you've got to appease the deity. Go burn some incense sticks. You know, make a grain offering. Do these different things. Sell flowers in airports. You know, go door to door. Give all your money. Crawl up the Sistine Chapel stairs on your bare knees on broken glass. Bury yourself out in the desert where just your little head is sticking out of the sand. All of these will help give you enlightenment. Well, the one enlightenment that I can tell you is you don't want to do that again. But when you look at a relationship with a true and living God, what does God want? Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father. If there was nothing more than you got out of the Lord's prayer, so commonly called, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, where he says, our Father. What was lost in the garden? Fellowship with God. That's what was lost. That's what Adam did. God said, don't eat of the tree. Satan says, eat of the tree. Who's going to be your daddy? Well, eat of the tree. Okay, you've just abandoned God. You broke fellowship with God. That's what happened. That's why we are, we've inherited an old sin nature. That's why we need to be born again. Well, so anyway, God then wants to restore that through Jesus Christ, whereby we cry, Daddy. I like that. Religion never satisfies that. They always have it predicated upon your performance. Getting out, doing good deeds, doing this, doing that, reciting the church's mantras, uh, uh, you know, all this stuff, and you just might make it. You don't believe me? 
Next time somebody knocks on your door, finely dressed, sometimes on bicycles and sometimes not, they knock on your door. You ask them, you say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And do you know what they'll always tell you? I've done the best I can. Well, is there anything wrong with that? Yeah, like everything. Like if you didn't get good enough, it's too late to do anything about it. So when we say, I go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for me. That he is God and he appeased through his own dear son, appeased what was necessary for me to approach him. I don't have to burn incense sticks. I don't have to feel beads. I don't have to recite uh, uh, mindless prayers. All I have to do is go to him, as Jesus said, our Father. Wow. Religion of the world never offers that. So understand that there's a lot more to being a Christian than just fire insurance. That you're God's property, and because you're God's property, God watches over you, and God says, I saw what Laban did to Jacob. And I'm going to make it right. So he says, lift up your eyes now and see. Lift up your eyes and see all the flocks, the speckled, the gray spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. And I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar where you made it a vow to me. And now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your kindred, or literally your father. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. Let me explain this. In those days, when you were to marry a girl, you gave her father a dowry for you. Basically, you were paying alimony in advance, okay? If something goes wrong with this marriage, hey, you've got a, you've got a, a, a savings account that will take care of her uh, as she gets older. He, they said, we know our father sold us to you. And that's true. Remember, he saw Rachel. He fell in love with her. He went to Laban. What do I have to do to have your daughter? He said, work for me for seven years. He said, I'll do it. So seven years labor, he paid for Rachel. Now, remember on marriage night, on wedding night, in the morning he woke up and it was the ugly duckling sister. And he goes, He gets mad. He goes down, beats on, this is a Mike paraphrase, beats on Laban's door. Hey, you've deceived me. I wanted the foxy one. You gave me the ugly one. Laban goes, yeah, it's a custom in our country that that the older daughter gets married before the younger daughter. So you got her first. He goes, ah. He goes, I'll tell you what. Fulfill her week. You know, that marriage honeymoon thing. And I will, I will uh, uh, float you alone for Rachel. I'll give you Rachel after the week. You work for me another seven years. Hey, do you not know that they know that they were bought and sold? So that seven years 
worth of labor that Jacob did for, for Rachel and also Leah really was their money. Because that was the dowry that was, that was to come to them. And so they said to Jacob, look, has dad just burned away all of our fortune? Well, actually he did. But there's a big spiritual application here. First one is this. Laban represents the world. Jacob represents the things of God. Friends, understand this. We have no inheritance in the world. Your inheritance is in God. Whether in that time when we stand before him or here on this earth, you're God's property and God takes care of you. Remember that. It's not just fire insurance. It's that God's anointing is upon you. Wherever you go, the rest of today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life, a little piece of heaven goes wherever you go. Because the kingdom of God, Jesus said, comes within you. Yes, someday in heaven, but where the Spirit of God reigns is where God's at. You, the Bible says, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God does not, the Bible says, dwell in buildings made with men's hands. Yeah, it's a nice box we have here. Lights, heater, air conditioning. It's a good box, okay? Good box. But God doesn't live in the box. God lives in you. The reason this building today is a holy building is because you, who have the Spirit of God living in you, made it holy. I feel bad for the religions of the world. They have their temple and they sanctify their building. Hey, listen, God doesn't care about buildings. He cares about the people in the buildings. The Bible says where two are gathered in his name, he's, or more, he's there in the midst of them. That's the sanctuary that God lives in, is you. He will never live in buildings. Religions of the world today, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but have you ever noticed the ornate temples in the cults? And you can go to India, you can go to Salt Lake, you can go wherever you want to go, you'll see ornate temples. Do you know why those temples are ornate? Do you know why? They believe their God lives in the box. The Bible says God does not live in buildings made with men's hands. He lives in you. Remember that. Where you go, an element of God goes. Where you go, an element of this kingdom of heaven goes. And so you are the inheritance. We have no inheritance in Laban. We have no inheritance. There's nothing in the world that I want. But what I do want is what God wants for me. Because God has a purpose. When you become born again, again, it's not just, just heaven someday, but he saved you for a purpose, for a reason, and equips us with the things around us to do a better job for him. Rachel and Leah were concerned about that. They, they felt that they, they got cheated. Listen, we have always been cheated by the world. Welcome to real life. Have you lived long enough, everyone, to know the world ain't fair? You see people that are wicked, that are blasphemers, <laughs> watch late night television, and it seems like they're the ones that are excelling in society and they're the beautiful people. And you go, but what about us? Hey, 
you have an inheritance far greater than anything they have. Never look at the world of, through envy and say, oh, I wish I had that. You've got something so much better. You have an inheritance not made with men's hands. You have an inheritance from your Father in heaven. And that's such an important thing to always remember because that sets us free from desiring to steal. It sets us free from the desiring to covet because I don't want what they have. Because you know what? When I remember MC Hammer. Remember him? Can't touch that. Okay? He, he's a Christian. He loves God. And I remember a picture of him sitting outside of his mansion that he lost because he couldn't pay the taxes on it in front. And on, on the gate, it still said MC on the gate. Power gate. And, and you know, it was so, so interesting to watch that because though he got this stuff, he had to maintenance that stuff. But what God gives you is yours. Rachel and Leah, what's our inheritance? Pops has burned through it. Yeah, he did. He literally took his daughter's dowry that rightly belonged to both Rachel and Leah, seven years for Rachel, seven years for Leah, whichever way you want to look at that. But there was nothing left. He has consumed our money. Verse 16 now. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, let's do it. Then Jacob arose and set his sons and wives on camels. By the way, that showed that he was wealthy. He had camels to set them on. Um, <clears throat> you know, they were their means of transportation in those days. I suppose they had dingle balls and racing hooves, whatever it was. But he set his family on them. And he carried away all of his livestock, his possessions, which they had gained, and acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padam Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. He was going to go back home is where he was going. Now when Laban had gone to shear the sheep, Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. Now, why did she steal them? That, that's probably, you know, she's stolen the family's gods. You'd think the family gods could take care of themselves. I don't know, just things that make you go, mm. But why, why did she steal them? There's a lot of theory on why this is. One... She wasn't really converted to the God of her husband. Maybe she still wanted to worship them. Another possibility is that we know previously what Laban had said, that he inquired of these gods for divination. What should I do? I don't know how they would answer, but maybe that was part of it. Some people believe that whoever had the family gods had the family deeds to the property. That might be a possibility that by owning these gods, that showed I owned what, what uh, my parents had. We just read about where they said um, he's burned through all of our money. 
Maybe he took their gods, his, his gods for revenge. He, she was mad. I'll, I'll show you. But some people believe that actually, according to Hebrew tradition, that Rachel stole the gods so he could no longer be an idolater. Don't know. But it's interesting here that the gods are gone. And so Jacob left, stowed away, unknown to Laban the Syrian. And he did not tell him where he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose, crossed over the river, and headed towards the mountains of Gilead. Now this, his journey is, about, is, is going to be about 300 miles. Now you think about how far 300 miles is. He's loaded up everything that he has, all his cattle, and so he could probably only move 15, 20 miles a day. Moving all this, you know, it's like the old, you know, the cattle drives in the Midwest, you know, yeah, get along, little doggies, you know, all this is moving across the desert. Well, it says that, uh, verse 22, Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak when you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban, and with his brethren, pitched him in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, Why, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? I, I really believe Laban at this point is trying to do the guilt trip on Jacob. What is this you've done? I love you, baby. You've taken away my daughters. I didn't even get to kiss my grandkids goodbye. Now remember, not everybody, like I said, one of the things I love about the Bible is it gives you keen insight on the human nature of people. So you can learn not only that God is your Savior, but you also learn about how rascal-like people can be. So he tries the guilt trip on Jacob, what have you done that you've stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives with the sword? Why have you uh, fleed secretly and steal away from me and not tell me for I might have sent you away with joy and song and timbrel and harp? I would have thrown you a party. No. In fact, again, if we go back to the very first part of the chapter, it tells us that his countenance, Laban's countenance, changed towards Jacob. Have you ever noticed that the world will lie to you? Has anybody bought a used car? The world will lie to you. God will never tell you wrong. God will always tell you straight. And so, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters, literally his grandson and his granddaughters. Uh, Now you have done foolish in doing. 
and this is my power to do you, it, it's within me to do, uh, do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you've surely gone because uh, you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? You know, there's things in the Bible I don't understand. And here's one of them. Laban goes to Jacob and says, the God of your fathers appeared to me in a dream and said, don't you touch Jacob. But this is why I'm mad at you. You stole my gods. Does anybody think this is weird? If your gods are so good, let them take care of themselves. I am amazed what people will trust in. I'm amazed what people think will bring about what they desire. Well, you know, I've got my rabbit's foot in my pocket. Remember, it wasn't good luck for the rabbit. People trust in weird things, and it's brought into the church. I remember, uh, I, I, I use this often because it, it, it burns such an such a image in my mind, but I remember when I was a kid, and I'd ask my mom, why are these little statues glued to the dashboard of people's cars? And my mom said, well, in the Catholic Church, they believe that's St. Christopher, the patron saint of protection, and he'll protect you. And this little plastic thing stuck in that. I'm invincible. Really? Well, then the Catholic Church had a decision, and they said that they decided that St. Christopher wasn't the patron saint of protection, and so pop, 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 everybody broke him off. People trust in the weirdest things. Now, if you're in the Mormon Church, if you're a Mormon here today, I don't wish to offend you. I just want to tell you some foolish things. When you're sealed for time and eternity in the temple, you wear your Mormon undergarments. These protect you like a St. Christopher does. No! Garments don't protect, maybe from sunburn, I don't know. Frostbite, yeah, maybe. But what I'm saying is that our protection is not in things of this world, it's in God. And God will protect me whether I have a piece of plastic on the dash of my car or a sacred undergarment. God protects us. Why? Because you're his kids. Our Father, which art in heaven. I have no need to be jealous of anything in the world. Again, do you know why? Because our God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That is where we leave it. We go, God, thank you that you give me what I need each day. Now you say, but Mike, you don't understand. There's a, I, I've got to come up with this thing and I, I don't have the money. I've shared this story before. Again, I've seen God provide in amazing ways, even in my own life. It isn't necessarily multiplying the loaves and fishes, but I needed a big valve one time for a well I was drilling. It was a $3,000 item. I didn't have the money to buy it, and I found a brand new one at a, at a scrap metal yard for $15. And I just, I, look, I remember looking at it, and I'm just going, 
God, you really know how to do this. God knows what you need, the Bible says, before you ask. I think it's so funny. It's, I, I often, you know, the, the positive confession movement, you know, blab it, grab it. I want this, and I want the red one with airco and tinted glass, and I got to be specific so God doesn't make a mistake. That's what they actually say. Well, first of all, God doesn't make mistakes. God knows what I need before I ask. And all God wants from you and me is just to say, Daddy, I'm here. You give. Put in my life and take out of my life the things that don't belong and put in my life the things that do. That's the dad you have in heaven. Friends, it's not just fire insurance on judgment day. It's that you have a personal relationship with God through your whole life where he will see you through. And when Laban says, you've taken away my gods, really? Did you ever think that maybe if somebody could take it away, you didn't really have it? You see, what you have from God can never be taken away. You rest in him. Next week, we'll finish the story. And we look and we see how foolish people's theories and ideas are apart from a true and living God. Believing in incantations and spells and lucky rabbit's feet. But you're not like that. If you're born again here this morning, you have a relationship with your God in heaven. Now maybe you've let the lies of this world come in and surplant that simple love that God has for you. But I want to share this with you. God, your dad, is standing with his arms wide open saying, come home. Come home. Don't try to earn what I've given you. I love you too much for that. Just come home and get in my arms and tell me everything that's on your heart. But you don't understand, God, I've messed it up so bad. I've broken so many things. And God says, I'm bigger than the things you've broken. I can fix it. Letting God fix the things that are wrong in your life. Man, I'll tell you, friends, who rejects this? I don't know. A God bigger than the things I've done wrong? A God bigger than the things that people have done wrong to me? And God has a way to fix that? And then on top of it, my life means something in this world and then in eternity? I've shared this so many times. I know many of you that come to this church regularly are sick of hearing me saying it, but I'll probably say it as long as I'm here. Went to a yard sale. They had all the junk on the table, and down below in a box, anything in the box, a quarter. And here in the box were trophies. You know, fastest 50-yard dash. The person was a runner, had all these trophies. I thought about the time, the effort, the training, all the things that went in to being number one in your field to get that trophy only to have it being sold in a box for a quarter and no one wanted it. Don't you think you'd rather dedicate your life to something that there's a trophy in heaven for you forever in which the Lord that day, when you stand before him, will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord instead of having my life, my trophies in a box for a quarter that no one even wants. Man, 
I'll tell you, I thought about that. And that hit me. You know, it's, it's weird that sometimes God, how he speaks to you. And when I saw that, it was like, I just, oh, it was like a, like, like a, like a, like a, something hit me in the tummy. And I went, oh, wow. How important is it what I do, what you do to point people to the kingdom of God so their whole life when they're at the end of it doesn't have a bunch of trophies in a box for a quarter. You see how important it is, friends? You, you have the keys to the kingdom. Daddy has given you the keys to the car. But I don't know how to drive. That's where it gets real fun. Because he does. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to come in to the kingdom of heaven. It's not just fire insurance. Though that's what we do need on judgment day. But what we do need is we need a reason to live for, a faith to live by, and a self we can live with. And if you have missing any one of those three, you're going to be miserable in your life. First, you need a reason to live for. What lights your fire? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? You need a reason to live for. You need a faith you can live by. What's your code of ethics? What, how do you live? Well, that's why we have the Bible. And a self we can live with. Do you know how many times in this room the devil has come to people in this room and said, just kill yourself this week? I know. He does it to me. So I know. You see, a self you can live with. But I can't love myself. I, I look at all my sin in my life. I, I'm a failure. God says, I'm bigger than things you've done wrong. This morning, if you want to come into God's kingdom, let's pray. If you're tired of the way you lived, you don't want another 10 years like you just had, let's pray. Let's see what God will do as we pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I am sorry for the way I've lived. And I believe Jesus died on the cross. His blood covered my sins. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. So make me the best I can be for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me so that I'll walk in your ways. I'll love those people that don't know you. And I'll have the boldness to speak in your name. And thank you for eternal life with you in Jesus' name. Amen. That fast, you pray. The Bible says old things, become, old things pass away because all things become new. Why is that? You realize why you're here. You're not a cosmic accident. Lightning didn't hit a swamp and here you are. No. You were divinely created by a God who loves you for his divine purpose. This morning... If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you one. We will have a baptism. And fellowship's important. Be around people who love Jesus. They're going to help you. They're not going to be dragging you the wrong way. Let God, good place to read in your Bible, the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. Start chapter 3 and read. And let God speak to you every day. And you will grow and you'll know your daddy's voice. And you'll know how much he loves you. Father, for every person that said yes to you this morning, I pray your anointing would come upon them. And Lord, for those of us who have loved you and have served you, Lord, may you empower us to do more and more incredible things for you. Lord, may you help us grow in your love. May we hear your voice. And God, thank you 
that you have never left us, not even for a second. Oh God, sometimes we've left you. But Lord, you have never left us. So help us walk in your ways. Strengthen us. Give us vision and wisdom to live each day. In Jesus' name, shall we stand? This morning, if you need prayer,